So hi everyone, I'm Yanin. and I'll be discussing with you how the pathways emerge. No? So early 2020, we've had the regional COPs or community of practice. Um, we had one for Luzon and one for Visayas and Mindanao and that gave an opportunity for the grantees to identify ano yung mga practices that they'd like to focus on. And it's, it was noted that they have varying capacities on these practices. However, the pandemic hit the country and um, community quarantines were uh, implemented, operations were disrupted. Why goal being the linking and learning facilitator, we responded to that situation by checking on our grantees. For us, it's not about finishing what was planned in the contract. For us, it's about responding with empathy. And we'd like to check on how the grantees are doing, what their priorities are, and we were able to gather some data that informed us as to paano ba mag-move forward in doing the linking and learning activities. We planned and refined our plans through consultations with our grantees and rice holder groups. And because of that, we were able to implement the online sessions for the linking learning pathways. For the linking learning pathways, we partnered with other organizations whom we think can join us and help us facilitate the learning process, not only for the grantees, but we also open the learning opportunity to a greater public dun sa mga individuals and organizations that are really championing inclusion or inclusiveness in their own spaces of influences. For the linking and learning pathways, our intention is to really sustain the learning exchange, the communities of practices. What we want to happen is that there are groups of people, individuals, and organizations na nagko-concentrate or focusing on certain practices and create solutions or solve issues na nag-emerge sa panahong ito. And that's where or when the six pathways were born or emerged. Hello, welcome to Connecting Voices, a podcast that will highlight the power of opening a space for groups of diverse advocacies and how dialogue and dissent can bind them together podcast where we narrate the linking and learning journey for the past years, the practices and processes which helped in shaping the linking and learning experiences, challenges, triumphs, and personal stories. My name is Alec Cuenca, and I will be your host for this podcast. This is episode 4, The Rise of the Pandemic. It's January 2020 and a deadly illness surfaced from Wuhan, China. Like the disease itself, rumors spread fast across nations about this mysterious disease and its threat upon mankind. The novel coronavirus 2019, or COVID-19 as they call it nowadays, a severely contagious disease that set the world to a standstill and put life to a halt, literally for the unfortunate whose lives have been claimed by the disease. Countries across the world have been closing borders, restricting travel to keep the disease at bay. Despite the warnings of global organizations and actions of other countries, the Philippine government downplayed the virus, and soon enough, the World Health Organization declared the disease spread to a pandemic. 
with society constrained, the lives of oppressed and trodden communities were further affected and the pandemic's threat rose to prominence. This is Weigel, and today we will talk about the rise of the pandemic. The pandemic quickly became a global phenomenon. With over 180 countries affected by the pandemic, one can only say that the pandemic has affected every person in the world. People getting sick, healthcare workers risking their lives, the economy collapsing. The pandemic introduced increasing difficulties for all. For the rights holder groups, troubles rather than their voices were amplified. Reports of oppression, misogyny, and exploitation of marginalized groups have almost gained a segment of their own in the daily news. This was a very challenging year so far for Weikol. They had to adjust to the pandemic's demands while keeping in mind the conditions of everyone involved. Everything can only be done online, so they followed that path. How did the rights holders promote their advocacies during the pandemic? Siguro in general, yung advocacies, yung advocacies talaga namin uh, mostly sa national so medyo na hit talaga yung yung advocacy work namin no. Basically dahil pinagbawal yung ano yung restrictions no yung yung travel saka yung yung mobility restrictions. Ayun naka nakaano sa amin yun no? naka tama sa amin yun. It it impacted yung aming project implementation but yung pinaka malaki talaga na impact ng COVID dun sa amin ay yung dahil kami illegal empowerment network illegal empowerment organization yung aming capacity development activities sa community yung pinaka nahit no karamihan ng activities most of our activities we drastically shifted to online platforms yung yung platforms na yan most of our staff uh, lalo na yung mga field staff yung aming partners are not familiar with the technology then uh, hindi mo pa na considering limited access to internet services most of their phones no yung mga phones nila yun pa yung mga yung pag nagtext ka na mahaba yung putol-putol so <laughs> so ano siya no ibig sabihin hindi hindi ready nagkabiglaan pero kailangan mo to shift although ang challenge then we cannot gauge right now yung impact nung nung aming capacity development work doon sa aming mga community partners kasi until now ang tingin talaga namin it it, it uh, gives them unfamiliarity discomfort in learning via online platform although may attempt syempre iba pa rin no yung 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 face to face that's why exacto no nandiyan yung linking learning because we need we still need to further improve our methodologies yung materials natin as we expect more months no of strict stricter health protocols para siguro tong magiging cycle no na up, every after three months bigla maghihigpit so we still need to to ano to improve our ano our, our system our methodologies given na ano yung yung although swerte ta swerte kami kasi yung late negros until now is MGCQ so mm-hmm. they can they can ano they, they can conduct yung mga trainings na hindi naman kalakihan pero at least may face to face although yung ibang resource persons ay ano no online or ano na no yung tape na video na The online setting was already crowded with everyone across the world trying to find their place in it. So I wanted to know, how did the rights holders manage to bring LNL, Linking and Learning, to the online scene and retain its efficiency in connecting rights holder groups? 
I think uh, the biggest adjustment that we had was looking for a place, uh, like a, a space in the on online world. Because ano parang it's very new and to have ano parang hindi na ano the major adjustment talaga is parang hindi na effective to have just the typical lecture or the typical she are very ano very classroomy na type ng advocacy activities. So we tried to have more uh, uh, events, really events na online, because uh, it's less effective. Talaga, we discovered na to have this. Ano, although we still do it, na if we are invited in some of conferences to talk about these things, pero uh, we try to avoid that in our own ano, and really to just improve our online presence. Sa aming mga social media accounts. To add on to yes, sir, yes, during the pandemic, literal talagang nag-freeze kami. We stopped all the operations. And we also contained the area, the community that we have in here, wherein we have girls. So it takes us uh, many months to get back. So during that time, we, we really have to you know, discover. So we did uh, video stands like Tita Tonya, uh, in terms of online, safety online. So because there is really a high cases of children being exploited online. And then we also have our young people, because Sela Den mismo, they are vulnerable at that time. So they they we published poems, we published any literary and creative materials just to call on to people to be vigilant. It's very hard, you know, because at, we are all inside their homes sometimes. They are staying with their perpetrator. I'm, I'm talking about child sexual abuse. We felt helpless too, but at that at that time, that's the only way that we know we know. And then we also get to be invited by our media partners, radio and TV, for media interviews. Adjustments were needed to be made. But how did YGOL as a whole adjust it? I sat down with JR, the president of YGOL, to talk about the plans that he had moving forward. Siguro, ano, at first, um, just like any other organization, there was a denial on our end to say that, you know, <laughs> this can be a two month, three months, a maximum of six months, you know. Uh, that we were in a lockdown. But of course, that denial led into something very critical to us. Uh, and the moment is when we feel, you know, given all the, um, uh, the different news and context and information of the COVID experience coming from those that, you know, um, those from other countries that experience it first, we felt that as, as a group that you know we need to we need to decide early as an organization and um as one of the um, organization that is really very agile we believe that we we need also to set as an example to to voice to say that we cannot continue the way we do things i think also at the end of the voice as a grant giving organization there was also a denial that you know we can't move budgets <laughs> because um, this is how we plan it. 
but yeah. we were already saying that we think this would be a long haul, especially for the Philippines. But um, it was a difficult conversation between Ygoal and Voice. But we have to really tell them on how we look at things no? from our perspective, from the different um, conversations that we have with our grantees. So we have to surface all of those to say that uh, we need to innovate. And innovation has to do with not only about doing it online, but ensuring that the principles adhered by voice as a project will be continued in, the, in an online space. So yeah, we were the first organization to lobby to voice that we realign budget. Uh, we are also the ones who really take time to study different online platforms so that we're ready also as an organization to uh, help the grantees mm-hmm. on navigating the new normal. But most of all, uh, I think what what is centered to how we do things is to ensure that the principles that are dear not only to voice but also to why goal is something that should be integrated regardless if it's a face-to-face conversation or it's an online conversation so yeah that's that's for me is is our you know our decision making process <laughs> uh leading us to the other you know the other activities that we yeah. want to pursue Designing engagements and activities that would link different people from different backgrounds with different cultures and with different advocacies is already hard. But the pandemic made it harder. Yanni, one of the project managers in Linking and Learning, told me how they dealt with it. It actually boils down to really about being empathic about, about our grantees. But, um, and I also um, would like to echo that, yes, um, it's easy to say that, you know what, as your LNL uh, facilitator, we're just here to support you and blah, blah, blah. But how can you support them, especially when they don't have any food to eat? I mean, those are the things that we have to, con- uh, that we have to consider when we do this, that, w- that we can only get um, so far when it comes to engaging um, the rights holder groups. Because when we keep on pushing them, the, the LNL efforts become irrelevant. You're actually pushing them away just because um, you're you're pushing them away because you're discounting their real need. But um, <laughs> how, how can I join you? I need to find ways to feed my children, stuff yeah. like that. We have uh, we have harvested these vegetables, but we can't move it. We can't sell it because we have mobility restrictions. And those are the realities, right? Parang the, the, the realities that we were talking about a while ago become so real when we face the, uh, no, no, the pandemic. And, and it gets us to thinking that, you know, LNL is not a space that they just have to subscribe to and to be there all the time. It's not like they have to be there all the time. 
It's about the L&L space being available to them at any point that they feel they need it. And that's, that's, that's when I think we were stretched more as an L&L mm-hmm. facilitator. Yeah. Because, because at this time, it's not just about um, implementing a two or three day event mm-hmm. and then we're done. And then we'll just chica chica or call them and say, how are you? And yeah, we're so happy. And then we'll, we'll... It's, it's not like that anymore. I, I mean, I'm not saying that it's a bad thing. What I'm yeah. trying to say is that the L&L experience become an integral thing to their living. And I think that's, that, that's, that helps us sustain L&L beyond voice. I think, I think that's something that, that helps us you know, in, in you know, setting that milestones to, to sustain all these things. Because when it, comes to, when it becomes integral to their culture, that L&L is a space available for everybody yeah. in times that we need it, then... Diba? They have mm. the f- and, and, and to me, you know, um, when you feel isolated because of the pandemic, the power of freedom to choose when to show up, what diba? Parang when to engage yourself in, in activities is very important to anybody. And I think that's, mm. that's something that we have to give them during those times, that they have the freedom to choose. Can I attend your online session? What if I have to, to work? What if I have to sell my, my goods just so I can provide a living? But when you say, oh, okay, um, if you can't attend, um, there are other ways for you to be engaged. There are, we're, we're, we're and, and, that, and I think that's where a synchronous participation um, strategy in LNL um, emerged when we recognized that not everybody or not all the time, everybody can be present. So we have to, to recognize that, that um, truth. For example, how do you do all these things when you come to think of it that people have short attention span, people yeah. are having Zoom fatigues and all that. Um, not everybody knows how to navigate through the platform mm-hmm. and all that. Not everybody have access or good access to internet. All these things are real. Yeah. And um and and that's <laughs> and th- that actually stretched us um as- aside from dealing with our own individual um adversities if I may say we had to do things if not repetitively I think we have to create multiple channels available for them mm-hmm. and it's not as easy as we imagine <laughs> in fact we feel that um you know doing these online things and doing asynchronous things made it more challenging it's it's almost it's not just doubling your efforts they say that ah you can just uh create a zoom link and then everybody can just get in no no it's not like that especially when you when you talk about uh for example we have persons with disabilities who cannot see or who can't um hear but they want to be engaged so all these um reasonable uh reasonable considerations or, or uh, provisions for them to be engaged. Those are the things that we had to be sensitive about. And we're learning it day by day. And it's not something that we're able to set up at the onset. We were learning it along the way. And we're so happy that our grantees and uh, even the RHGs or rights holder groups are also very patient with our learning yeah. uh, as, as the facilitators. And um, we're really communicating with them and telling them, you know what, um, this is something new to us, but um, we're, we're just really want to be present for you and um, whatever is relevant for you. We hope that this helps. Um, you may access, it, access to these materials whenever you want to. Um, you may reach out to us. 
Now, there were a lot of problems during the pandemic, and one of them is the threat of cybersecurity. I sat down with Joseph to talk about this. We also have a challenge of explaining to our grantees that our platforms are safe. In that sense, they, their informations are being uh, stored in a ethical manner. Mm-hmm. And we also want them to understand that if ever that we're taking a recording, for example, that recording will also be used only in the process of the documentation, but not on other purposes. With all the struggles and success that LNL has been through during the pandemic, what were the lessons that you learned that can help linking and learning as the pandemic continues? Those things led me to a lot of ano, a lot of lessons. One, culturally Filipino is still attracted to Facebook, so parang Facebook is the main platform where you can ano, where you can gather a lot, if not everyone. You cannot ano no, parang you cannot uh, prescribe any other platforms where hindi naman sila sanay gamitin or kahit sasabihin mong secured pero hindi ka makapag-engage. So you have to balance security and also the level of engagement. But also when you when you go about to a, a social media or a platform where security is a bit risky, you also have to look at parang what are the measures to ensure that you know at least it's mitigated if not totally prevented no um so that's that's one and that is ano no parang malaking bagay yan that our grantees don't have to think about it but they feel safe no na when you introduce to them a technology they feel safe na ah why goal has already uh, did some work and research for us so there's already a due diligence no na We, that's why we recommended this ano we recommended this online platform so the the yung the transition to a new normal is really um takes a lot of effort patience and work on the side of the ano on the side of the linking and learning facilitator um but more than the the ano the technology that comes with it ang nakikita ko pa rin na pinakamalaking bagay is Paano mo ano paano mo matatranslate yung face to face into a ano nga into a um, into an online platform hindi kasi siya na parang when you when you teach um, letter A in a face to face ganun pa rin siya it's not about just ano eh parang just are inputting it again or parang translating it ano uh, translating it ng uh, verbally or how you do it it's really about thinking how it would be still effective for them like for example the programs na meron kami before usually runs for about two to three days on a face to face but with um, new normal or now with online the three the two to three days program can run actually up to a month because you have to ano you have to make sure na ano na tinitingnan mo din yung mental ano yung mental space no ng ng grantees if they're able to absorb it no at one sitting eight hours i mean 
no it's one crazy. will <laughs> no one will really learn from that no? so parang kailangan pong tingnan yung mga bagay niyan and all of that we also have to explain to to voice na the the program before it's three days but now it's one month and there are mm-hmm. periods of rest there are periods of pauses so that people can actually reflect and we make sure that multi platforms are being used pero lastly no to ano to uh, say talaga kung ano yung uh, isa sa mga biggest lesson na to na feeling ko wala pa rin talagang replacement sa face to face the warmth the you know the hugs human connection uh, yeah. the connection from uh, by the grantees to each other linking linking and learning facilitator to grantees just being just being a part of the community that's growing and you are there physically and you feel that you know this community is is really ano uh, is really safe for me so wala talagang ano parang feeling ko hindi marireplace yon but we are really navigating and trying to um not find replacement but making most making the most of it at the moment when we cannot do a face to face sa akin yun yon because um yung emotional connection and yung emotional ano na tawag dito yung emotional yung yung feeling mo na you want to express in a face to face it's really hard to express that in ano in uh dito sa sa harap ng laptop mo or sa harap ng mobile phone mo um and it's also hard to 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 give comfort to to show kindness to show support um in ano parang in a in an online ano parang in an online space the online space has its own advantages but there are activities and things that human beings um can really ano na can really prosper in a face to face um and i think yun yung ano parang yun yung na learn ko here na in some future time uh, lahat tayo magiging ano magiging connected pa rin face to face Overall the activities provided by Linking and Learning were well appreciated by the grantees The activities were relevant to what concerned the grantees during the pandemic and the people behind these activities made participants feel understood as they continue to face hardships the pandemic drags on even with these hardships why gold is more than willing to amplify the voice of the grantees and make them heard across the country this is why gold and that was the rise of the pandemic at nakikita ko itong linking and learning as para siyang lighthouse ano hindi siya ang lighthouse hindi siya gumagalaw nasa isang nasa isang lugar lang siya pero may mga bangka na in a way na save ng mga lighthouse just by staying there and with the way i saw linking and learning and how it has operated during this time parang nandoon lang siya na 
uh, hinihikayat niya yung mga grantees to to be productive or to uh, learn new things but it, you don't have to hindi siya nagkakandara pa o hindi siya uh, proactive na, na hinihikayat at nilalapitan tayo and there's something very very meaningful for uh about that that I that I really appreciate with with these pathways nakita ko na napaka daming uh, activities at napaka daming mga outcomes na lumabas dito sa ating mga pathways and I hope that that gets to be relevant even after uh, after the after the pandemic and we get to be with each other again I really appreciate na itong mga pathways ay tailor fit sa needs ng mga grantees and I would like to congratulate the Y Goal and your collaborators on really making sure that the grantees are at the heart of what we are doing and that they are not just learning but they're also contributing to how how we define these advocacies. So nagpapasalamat ako sa lahat na mga naitulong ninyo, mga naiambag ninyo, at dun sa mga future pa na na evolution ng mga activities at outcomes na ito. That's it for this episode. We talked about the different effects of the pandemic to our rights holders and to Y-Goal and how they were able to adjust during the pandemic. Also, the lessons that came with it. In the next episode, we will be talking about the next phase, the hopes for a brighter future for Y-Goal and linking and learning.